This episode is brought to you by AARP. 18 years from tonight, Grant Gill will become a comedy legend when he totally kills it at his improv class's graduation performance. Knees will be slapped. Hilarity will ensue. That's why he's already keeping himself in shape and razor sharp today with wellness tips and tools from AARP to help make sure his health lives as long as he does. Because the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash healthy living. This is Giles Milton, host of the Unknown History Podcast, and you're listening to a special mini-series from historian Eleanor Herman on the royal art of poison. Hi, I'm Eleanor Herman, and today I'm going to be discussing my new book, The Royal Art of Poison, Filthy Palaces, Fatal Cosmetics, Deadly Medicine, and Murder Most Foul. I'll be focusing on Chapter 4, Murderous Medicine, Mercury Enemas, and Rat Turd Elixirs. No one likes going to the doctor, but we should all thank our lucky stars for modern medical treatments. Past practices were often either deadly, gross, or a horrifying combination of the two. We all know that doctors used to bleed their patients, incorrectly believing that bleeding would remove the body's evil humors causing disease. Even George Washington was accidentally murdered by his doctor who took 80, 80 ounces, that's 35% of his blood, in 12 hours. But many popular medical treatments were equally dangerous or disgusting. Ironically, the wealthy stood a greater chance of death by doctor, as fatal physicians were expensive. Those too poor to summon a doctor relied on bed rest and chicken soup and had a better chance of recovery. Now let's look at several of the top treacherous treatments. For rashes and other skin disorders, physicians prescribed ointments of mercury, which absorbs easily through the skin and causes birth defects, kidney and liver problems, fatigue, irritability, tremors, depression, paranoia, mood swings, excess salivation, black teeth, and death. Doctors often used feces, bursting with bacteria, parasites, and infection in medications. Horse feces was ingested by those with lung ailments. Rat droppings were eaten to ease constipation. Those suffering from nosebleeds were advised to thrust hog's dung, still warm, up the nose. Human excrement, dried and powdered, was blown into the eye to cure ailments. To treat constipation, doctors recommended giving a pound of quicksilver at a time to a puppy, collecting it when it came out the other end, boiling it in vinegar, and drinking it, which gives new meaning to the term toxic waste. Dead pigeons, roosters, and other birds cut in half were applied still bleeding to the heads and feet of sick people to draw out their evil humors and sometimes left putrefying there for days. Physicians rubbed syphilis victims all over with mercury several times a day and placed them in tents to inhale mercury, 
which sometimes killed them on the spot. If it didn't kill them, the poison might force the bacteria into remission, though the side effects were black saliva and teeth, deafness, tremors, and loss of parts of the jaw. Catholics believed saintly body parts could affect a cure. Entire desiccated corpses were put into bed with sick members of the Spanish royal family. We can imagine a princess waking from a fever to find a skull with a hank of black hair on it shearing her pillow. Many women survived delivery, but died of infection soon after, killed by their doctors thrusting dirty hands and instruments into the birth canal. Physicians didn't wash their hands or their instruments between patients, spreading disease and deadly bacteria. Oddly, lice infestations were seen as beneficial. In 1650, English physician Robert Pamel wrote, If lice be only in the head, in many it preserves their health because they consume much excrementious humors. A cure for serious illness was to put the patient into the hollowed-out belly of a freshly slaughtered ox, horse, or mule, as the heat from the carcass was believed to draw out the evil humors. When that carcass cooled, the patient was dragged into another one still hot. An odd treatment, but then again, if he survived that, he could probably survive anything. Now I'm going to read from the section titled Cannibal Cures. Human body parts called mumia were sold to apothecaries and physicians by the town executioner. Doctors believed that some essence of the life force remained in the body after death, especially in the case of executions or accidents, where life was taken suddenly from an otherwise healthy young person. The remainder of the deceased's natural lifespan could thus be ingested by the person consuming his body parts. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. This episode is brought to you by AARP. 18 years from tonight, Grant Gill will become a comedy legend when he totally kills it at his improv class's graduation performance. Knees will be slapped. Hilarity will ensue. That's why he's already keeping himself in shape and razor sharp today with wellness tips and tools from AARP to help make sure his health lives as long as he does. Because the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash healthy living. According to the 16th century physician Paracelsus, the whole of the body is useful and good and can be fashioned into the most valuable mumia. Although the spirit of life has gone forth from such a body, still the balsam remains in which life is latent. However, a person who has died a natural and predestined death especially an older person, has used up his mummia and is of no value to the physician. Let him be cast to the worms. 
We know from court records that several monarchs, Charles II and William II of England, Francois I of France, and Christian IV of Denmark, were in fact cannibals when it came to their medicine. It is not known if Elizabeth I consumed body parts, but two of her favorite royal physicians heartily recommended it to their other patients. When James I of England suffered from gout, which was probably arthritis, starting in 1616, his physician, Théodore de Mayenne, recommended an arthritic powder composed of scrapings of an unburied human skull, herbs, white wine, and whey to be taken at full moon. But as the king hates eating human bodies, an ox's head can be substituted in his case. To cure epilepsy, doctors concocted recipes of dried human heart or made a potion of wine, lily, lavender, and an entire adult brain, which weighed about three pounds. Human fat was used to treat consumption, rheumatism, and gout. Physicians recommended those suffering from hemorrhoids to stroke them with the amputated hand of a dead man, a strangely unpalatable image to ponder. Mummy flesh was venerated for its magical Egyptian antiquity and used for bruising, snake bites, and joint pain. King Francois I always carried some mummy flesh in his purse in case he fell and hurt himself. In 1703, the physician Robert Pitt wrote that mummy had the honor to be worn in the bosom next to the heart by the kings and princes and all others who could then bear the price in the last age in all the courts of Europe. In 1609, the German physician Oswald Kroll stated in a recipe for a plague cure that one should choose the carcass of a red-haired man, whole, clear without blemish, of the age of 24 years, that hath been hanged, broke upon a wheel, or thrust through and stabbed, having been for one day and night exposed to the open air in a serene time. We can only imagine how difficult it must have been to find exactly that end in good weather. He continued, the flesh should be cut into small slices and sprinkled with powder of myrrh and aloes before being repeatedly macerated in spirit of wine. After it has been hung up to dry in the air, it would have a texture like smoked meat, a sign it was ready to be served. Doctors believed that the vitality of a person who died of hanging or strangulation was forced up into the top of the skull at death. In the first part of the 17th century, Belgian chemist Jean-Baptiste van Helmont explained that after death, all the brain is consumed and dissolved in the skull, a kind of vitamin-rich intellectual stew. Charles II thought human skull was a basic cure-all and distilled it himself in his palace laboratory. However, even 40 drops of it could not save him from his final illness. In 1560, several Germans and Dutchmen working at the Royal Mint in the Tower of London fell suddenly ill, probably from exposure to copper fumes. The attending physicians believed that drinking from cups made from human skulls would cure them. 
Since no human skull cups were conveniently available, the rotting old heads of traitors adorning Tower Bridge were removed, the flesh boiled off, and the skulls fashioned into drinking vessels for the immigrant workers. Some of the men recovered, but most died despite their skull cups. Human blood, too, was a cherished ingredient in medications. Doctors believed that vital spirits nestled within blood, and anyone drinking it would imbibe the life force itself. Dried and powdered blood was sprinkled on wounds or inhaled to staunch bleeding. The barber surgeon who bled patients for a variety of ailments would turn around and sell their blood to others for use in medical recipes, thereby getting paid twice. Physicians recommended human blood for asthma, epilepsy, acute fevers, pleurisy, consumption, hysteria, convulsions, headaches, palsy, apoplexies, distempers, and jaundice, as well as in poison antidotes. Looking at historic medicine from our viewpoint, we can agree with Alexander the Great, who succinctly summed up his medical situation while on his Babylonian deathbed in 323 BC. I am dying, the 32-year-old lamented, from the treatment of too many doctors. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have enjoyed our discussion from The Royal Arch of Poison, available at booksellers everywhere. You've been listening to guest historian Eleanor Herman. I'm your host, Giles Milton. Tune in to the Unknown History Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or at quickanddirtytips.com. Thanks for listening. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.